This is Mission Disco. This is Mission Disco. This is Mission Disco. A conversation about imagination, innovation, and Christian mission in Ireland and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mission Disco podcast where we uh, share stories, think about mission in Ireland and further afield. Um, today we're going to do something slightly different and we're going to be reflecting a little bit on a webinar, but it's great to have uh, Ross here again today. The two of us are DJing. Um, good to see you, Ross. You too, Simon. Simon did have DJ headphones on earlier and I know for those who are listening can't see those, but... Um, yeah, you did look like more of a DJ than uh, than I, I had my uh, I had my decks out and my strobe and my my lights. Do you are you into dance music, Ross? Oh, really? Yeah, listen to it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got no, into it's, it. Hard, it's hard keeping up with my um, my my daughter's taste of music. You know, when you go to Spotify and you go to listen to your set of music, and there's something else there. <laughs> <laughs> yes it is you start to feel old but anyway it is um yeah we we've over the past um last month i think we we had a, a webinar with jill weber where we think about reflecting on this time so we've had three we have a series of three webinars so we just um, had one there with mark sayers and we were thinking a little bit about recovery and what that means and we thought it would be helpful um as we listened to that webinar it was very dense he said a lot of stuff and we thought yeah, it would be a good yeah. um, opportunity to reflect on that, to think a little bit, tease some of it out, and what does it mean for us, and what have we learned through this time? So we're going to do that today, uh, which we're looking forward to. Uh, and also just to say, there, the third webinar is on in a few weeks' time, the end of June, and you can um, register for that. It's with Brian Sanders, and we're going to think about rebuilding. How do we rebuild through this time? So that's one to look out for as well. Yeah, so we're delighted to have a special guest with us. Uh, Laura Bell is with us. Uh, she is from Belfast. She lives in Belfast with her husband, Chris, and her two girls. Um, Laura is uh, the pastor of uh, CFC South Belfast and has been involved in the church for many years, I think, Laura, hasn't it? And um, Laura is a very gifted communicator uh, she's a fantastic leader, and uh, it's great to have her on the podcast today to get her reflections on the webinar that Mark Sayers did. So, Laura, you're very welcome. Thank you so much, Ross. Thanks, Simon. It's so good to be here. It's great to have you. Yeah. What did you, um, what was your take on the, the webinar? I found it very, I, I just, he said so much that you were just constantly writing stuff down. Yeah, it was just so dense and so packed full of um, value, you know, there was so much in it, I think, not only from kind of that bigger picture that Mark brings, but also some really practical gold that we could take away and really reflect on and think about in our context. I've actually listened to it twice. So when we were there <laughs> all together, and then I actually went back and listened to it again, and I got so much more out of it. Yeah. So I definitely encourage anybody to be going and, and listening in. And I think for me, because obviously we'd asked Mark to come and, and speak about this idea of recovery um, in this moment that we're in. Um, you know, he, he began with this, this um, definition and he said there are really two ways that we can think about recovery. And he said, you know, there's the recovery of healing. So if you've experienced a trauma, and I think, you know, as we find ourselves in this moment, um, we have called it in many ways, this kind of uh, a cultural or a community trauma that all of us together are going through this traumatic moment, this pandemic, and it's affecting us. 
and and we focused on that but actually for mark when he came on he said that he had a real sense of the second definition of recovery and its importance in this moment and um and it's this idea that recovery is to retrieve something to find something that's been forgotten or lost uh, and and i think as he went through then um the seminar with us he really focused on this idea of what are we to recover in this moment and i, I find that particularly helpful yeah, yeah, no, it was really helpful. He touched again on us uh, at the end. Uh, we thought what we would um, do as we go through this, we're going to play, well, try and play um, Elisa, who had done some of the tech stuff before, had all the audio lined up when we'd done this thing before, but I'm just going to try and play it from the YouTube video. Um, so we're going to play a little bit of the audio from the webinar and then talk about it. And the one thing he started out, which I thought was really helpful, and he'll explain it far better, was this idea of the grey zone, where we are now, and I think even defining uh, what it is that we're going through now uh, was really important. So we'll we'll play a little bit of that audio and um, then maybe we could chat about that. So here he is, here's Mark Sayers. So the term I've been using is actually, I haven't been using the new normal uh, because it's overused and things do not feel normal at this moment. Uh, really the term I've been using, um, which I think has been resonating with me is actually this term uh, I would call a gray zone. And uh, the reason I, I call it a gray zone, if you think about a gray zone, if you can imagine a, a Venn diagram of uh, uh, two circles and there's an overlap, uh, in a sense, the first circle is where we were before. And then um, the next circle is where we're gonna be after this, but we're in this weird in-between space. And when we did have that time where we came back and we were able to have 86 days um, here in Melbourne with no coronavirus and basically life went back to normal, um, reconstituting at a church. It was just so strange. Yeah, I think that idea of the the grey zone was helpful in between the what was and what is coming. And I suppose kind of reflecting on that, and you hear a lot of people talking about um, why won't we return to normal? And I don't know, do you have any sense of why can't we just go back to normal? What has changed significantly that we can't just go back to the way things were. Do you have a sense of it for your own context or where we are in society? Yeah, I think that there's a sense where, you know, everything has shifted, everything has changed. And I think that COVID has almost gave us this moment to pause and reflect on our practice and actually ask the question of, especially within the church and the missional context, which is, you know, where we find ourselves, are we being effective? You know, and, and are we actually, you know, the people, um, embodying the kingdom in our places and spaces and and I think that's been really really helpful that actually we're in this moment where it's not about just getting back to doing things the way that they were and, and I can definitely hold my hands up and say as I've reflected in this moment and in this kind of gray space and gray zone that there are some things that I've recognized that actually I want to retrieve but also that I want to kind of re like almost birth and kind of move forward into in a new way. I don't know what you guys have felt in your own contexts. Yeah, I think I, I think it's a really helpful um, picture to have because there's parts of us that want to go back to normal. There's yeah. probably the default within our culture that we like comfort and we like to be in control. And, and that seeps into us. And of course, there's an element where we all long for that. And and I think I think in some way things things will return to a little bit more normal like for example the kids are back to school and 
hopefully people will be back to their offices and things like that. But I think there's been fundamental structural, societal, cultural changes that have happened and maybe more that they've accelerated during this time. And it's given us a picture. You know, we can see it. We we may not never go back to the gym again. We're all doing it at home or we're now buying a lot more stuff online than maybe going to the shops or, you know, there's all those sort of things. But I think when it comes to the church, it's more, I, I think how we do mission, how we do discipleship, it's just, I think it's, it's created a space that we couldn't have manufactured ourselves, that there is this opportunity. I think Mark talked a lot about the opportunity within Grey Zone that we could, you know, I think Brian Sanders said this is a time of uncontested um, change, you know, in terms of week, there's, there's an opportunity here to rediscover what uh, we're doing through this um, in the grey zone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you, when you look at society and you look at businesses and, you know, I know Ross, from talking to you with your business, you have changed things dramatically, partly to adapt to what, what has been, but there's lots of things that you're doing now that you'd never go back to the way you used to do them because you found much more efficient ways to do them, much more effective ways to do them. And I think as the church, we, we've, we have done um, some of the stuff online. We've done some things and we've adapted in ways, but there is that worry that the church will still go back to that normal place and we won't necessarily see those opportunities. And he said one thing, I think it wasn't in the clip there, but he said something, it's an interesting space once we accept it, once we accept that that's what we're in. Because I think maybe as Christians or as the church, there is a little bit of a, let's just bear the storm, let's just keep going. But actually, if we consider ourselves in a gray zone rather than in a holding pattern, waiting to go back and land and be back to normal. Yeah, I think that's really important that we do that. And mm. I don't know if everyone's able to do that or able to process that. Yeah, yeah I think I, I've been learning a lot about control and like the gray zone, you're out of control. Yeah. And so and I think he talked about in the gray zone, there is this opportunity to be just to rediscover our dependency on on God and and our life is ultimately we're not in control of it we were probably as he said there was a virus before the virus and that sense of control is kind of probably something that's really helpful to think about in the gray zone yeah i think that's that's exactly what i was gonna say ross you know it's almost this space where um we recognize how out of control we are and i think as leaders we we've lived for so long in this space of being able to rely on our knowledge of what tomorrow might look like, the next season might look like of putting these kind of best laid plans in place of, of how we're gonna move forward. And all of that has been completely decimated. And that is not the space that we are in. And it can feel like a confusing space, a disrupted place, um, but actually that's what it does. It pushes us into this deeper dependency on God. And I, and I think that's, as, as you say, Simon, that if we can accept it, who, where else can we go but God? We, we can't rely on our own wisdom, you know, on organizational tactics, structures, you know, on, 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 on any of the usual things that we rely on, I think, as leaders. And, and it's like this dependency of God. And, and I think that's a healthy place to be when we can actually enter in. Yeah. And it's like that, you know, it's like that picture um, in the Psalms, disorientation reorientation and and where our lives are constantly in that flux of being in situations that disorientate us either through trauma or to things that we're going through and but 
the thing that gives us hope is that there is a process of reorientation is in even in the midst of disorientation and the weird thing is probably we only discover reorientation when we're disorientated so for me that gives me some hope just to kind of in a sense hold the line and stay in this space and trust god as you said laura and um and and not only just to say trust god as a kind of statement but to actually find him in this wilderness space uh, because he's there and he's he's wanting to do something deep in our hearts yeah i think the we've seen lots of lots of change we've had to adapt to change and that's been really tiring but i think the church has shown that it's able to adapt and change it's been forced upon us i would love if i say the church i just mean christians i suppose uh all across the island i hope that we'd be able to retain that culture of change that we can see that change is possible that we're able to change that we can be flexible because i think and we we go on to the his, he had another point about you know what the future looks like and we're entering a whole new world i think just the church needs to be able to adapt and move and be different and look different and have different focuses um as we go beyond now and i think if we can retain that ability and willingness and to go it's okay to change and it's okay that we can do this differently i think would be really important and i think as well you know it's it's about i suppose understanding how what we're being invited into as leaders you know and and as you say then taking that forward and and i wonder you know obviously you mentioned there simon about this idea that we have to be willing to change and i think that is something as leaders that we are being invited into that we're being invited into this different way of leading and i wonder are there other things you know that god has invited us into in this season that actually are things that we should even carry forward and that's something that i've been reflecting on because i think there's just so much learning this is this is a place of richness it's a place of depth but it could be so easily lost you know like we could just we, we could just move on and say okay great we can go back to that model of leadership where we can make all of the plans because we know what things will look like and and i just i don't think that that's what we're being invited into for the future i do see this gray space as a transitional space where we're moving away from that model of leadership and into something that is new and um and and so even just reflecting around what are we seeing that God is inviting us into? I think is a really important kind of reflective place to be. Yeah, I, I know I completely agree with you, Laura. And if, if you don't mind me asking, how have you done that? Because we can talk about taking the time to think about those questions. And it's so easy just to rush to the next thing and be always busy. How have you done that for you yourself? But also how have you done that with leaders? Is that something you've processed with people? Yes. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, um, I, I've really gone back to prayer and fasting and that's been a, a practice that I think has just worked in my weekly kind of rhythms at this time. And I, I think it's just been more intentional with prayer. And it used to be, you know, you pray before you, you came into the office or you, before you came into your meetings or whatever, but even throughout the day, you know, when you're, you're thinking about how you're going to do something, because I think for me, it's almost been like, I've had to go into that space of a transformation of my mind. And we know that that word is really almost like a repentance, like a change of mind. And I think that as a leader, you just get into a pattern. I mean, I've been in, in church leadership. It's all I've, I've really ever done. I went to seminary of school. I came in, I, I, you know, I trained in, in pastoral leadership. I planted a church and it's like, you get into these models and these kind of fixed ways of thinking and doing. 
And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a space where none of that works anymore. And so I, for me, I've had to gravitate towards practices that have really just been like almost an emptying of myself and like a re, as, as Ross said, like a reorientation of my desires and my thinking towards the things of God in this moment. And I think fasting is just an incredible practice where we, we just reorient our desires you know, around God's desires and just empty ourselves and surrender to him and say, God, I need you to come in this moment because I'm empty. Like I'm so empty and I don't have what it takes and I don't know how to move forward. And certainly then with my leadership team, we've been fasting and praying once a week together. And then when we went back into person as a church, we invited the church into that rhythm as well. And we invited the church into, to speak into what is it they're sensing God is saying and how do we move forward as a church? And we had like a an online interactive prayer board and anybody could post up what God was saying and what they sensed and what we were feeling. And so it was like this kind of community of people who were, I suppose just, we just felt like we wanted to come back and surrender to God and press in and say, God, what do you have for us in this moment? Because we just don't want to move forward in our own flesh and with the wisdom of the world, we need, we need you to come through. So those have, those have been some of the ways that we've, we've been able to do that as a community where we are. And, and that's been really important for us. That's really helpful. Yeah, I think I think from our experience as well, the reflective piece is just so important and mm -hmm. and having space for reflection, both personally and corporately, in a way protects us from this fear of rushing back to the normal. And so we had a session. This is to plug Sam Moore and the Innovista guys, but Sam kind of facilitated a reflective session for us as a community to allow everybody to give voice and give space to how people are feeling, uh, the things they want to carry with them, the things that they want to leave behind, uh, the things that they're grieving, lamenting. Um, and it was a really powerful uh, space, not so much because we came out with a list of five strategic changes we're going to make, but it was a powerful space because it was nearly like everyone was able to breathe out their sense of kind of fatigue or disappointment or whatever, but there was a sense of doing it together that was really important. So I think that reflective practice that you mentioned, Laura, is so, so important for us at this, this point in the gray zone that we find ourselves yeah. in. And we, we actually did that as well with church where we, we brought together anybody who was leading or involved in ministry across the church. And we kind of used that prophetic question from Jeremiah one, where he says, you know, God comes to Jeremiah and says, what do you see? And we, we sort of got people to pray into that. And then when we came together, we sort of based the whole reflective time around two questions. You know, what do you see taking place within God's people? You know, challenges to overcome, pitfalls to avoid, practices to continue or discontinue, new opportunities to seize, existing resources to use, and um, pastoral priorities, you know, spheres of influence where we can empower. And then the second question was, what do we see in the places and spaces where we inhabit, you know, it, and it was really about our communities and uh, our workplaces, the people we're connecting with and the creativity to harness there, the wounds that need to be healed there, um, and needs that need to be met, structures and services that need to be strengthened. And what's, what are we seeing and what, how can we reflect in these things as a church? And so, yeah, that space of reflection has, has just been so, so, so important for us as well. Yeah, it, it, it feels like, and I think I remember last summer when things opened up in July time, there was a 
everything seemed to open up at the same time. Restaurants, society, the whole world seemed to open up. Um, but churches were very quick to get back to meeting in person. And I remember talking to someone, I was saying, you know, talking about taking time to reflect. And there was this like, we just need to get back open and then we'll do the reflection. But actually, I don't know if we'll ever get to it. Whereas it feels like we have time. There's no massive hurry to go back to the way things were. There's no massive hurry to make decisions. It's okay to take the time and to bring not only you yourself and your relationship with Jesus, but your leaders and those who lead with you and the church, as you've said, Laura, bringing people along with you. It makes sense to do it um, and to, to bring people along that. There was something, I'm just going to play um, another bit here from um, the webinar. Mark talks about this. When I first heard it, I was a little bit, hmm, I'm not sure about that, but it was a little bit about um, uh, about COVID and it's actually a bigger sign. So I'll play it and then maybe in chat. It's only about 30 seconds. So here he is. So in many ways, as the pandemic has progressed, uh, I realize more and more, it's not the question of how will the world be changed after COVID-19? Rather, the question is, COVID-19 is the sign that the world is changing. I'm just going to repeat that. The question I've realized is not, what does the world look like after COVID-19? The question is, COVID-19 is a sign, uh, or sorry, the statement is, COVID-19 is a sign that the world is changing. In many ways, the pandemic is the preparation. I don't know what, what you thought about that when you heard it. Um, the pandemic is the preparation. And he, he does go on in fairness and he talks about the, the pain and the suffering and the struggles that people have faced and all those tough parts. But I suppose he was talking a little bit about that the that COVID is the sign that the world is changing, that it's not how the world is going to change after COVID. What did you think about that when you heard it? What was your reflection on it? Either of you? Um, yeah, my initial reaction was, yeah, that's a very different, that's a reframe of like yeah. the way we've been thinking about it because, you know, it's affected us in so many ways that it has changed the world. And so, um, but I think when he put it in context of, you know, the acceleration of trends that he was seeing before and like Mark is just this incredible, nearly a futurist, isn't he? That, you know, he's kind of, see, he talked about when he was on the, skyline of new york and he really this is a year before the pandemic and really felt that something was going to end and, and change and stuff so i think i think when you put it in context that the pandemic is the preparation maybe everything you know and he was predicting you know pandemics as well maybe COVID 19 is a sign that the world is changing so maybe from a science perspective these things were possible just didn't happen but maybe it's the acceleration of the of the trends that have occurred in that. How about you, Laura? What did you think? Yeah, I, I'm I'm with Simon. At first, I was like, "Do I agree with that?" I think it was so <laughs> radically different from the kind of frame of reference that we've had COVID in that it was nearly difficult to get our head around. And I think I'm still trying to really get my head around that. You know, I I agree that we are in this grey zone. And I agree that this gray zone has loads to teach us. And actually it's gonna be really important for us moving forward. I agree that this pandemic therefore is a, is a preparation of kinds and that there are things as we've talked about that we're gonna recover and that we're gonna be able to reflect on and take with us as we move forward. Um, but it's difficult, I think, to, to kind of get your head around this idea that um, it's almost like the pandemic is the sign that the world is changing. You know, that, that's, an, that's an address and thought. Yeah, it is tricky. And I think even 
when he says that last line there that COVID is the preparation, the question is, you know, what's the preparation for? And I think I, I, conversations I've had in the last year in various different spheres of life. I, I work in a, I'm in a school um, one day a week as a part of a chaplaincy team. And just the conversations that you have with young people, where they're at, where their life's at, how they view the world. And then I sit and you talk to church leaders and you just see where the church is at in terms of where society's at. And you just see there's this massive, massive gap of, of, of how the church is interacting with the world and, and where the world is at. And it, some, I, I believe that, that Jesus is still head of the church, that the church will change and we see glimpses of that happening. But sometimes I'm just amazed at how, how big a gap there is. And I think so much of the time we think as churches that we, we need to build the bridges towards culture, but actually the, sometimes we need to start with where people are at and build bridges towards Jesus. Um, but it's a real, yeah, I don't know. When I think about what's, if COVID is a preparation, what's COVID preparing us for? And what, what will church look like in five or yeah. 10 years time? I think that's a really important question and one of the things that kind of was highlighted to me when when I was thinking about that because that's where it kind of led me to was like this disconnect between the church and just where everyday people are because he talked about you know that really it's on the streets that we should be just mm. on the streets and the spirits on the streets and it's like even when we were asking these questions you know to our community and to our leaders it was like notice reflect what do you see you know, and even in that moment with Jeremiah, it was like, you know, it wasn't a tree. And, you know, it was it was just everyday things. And I think that, that that's where we need to connect. And one of the things I think that has been disconnected and that this generation that you're talking about, Simon, is particularly fixated on and is a huge marker in terms of their generation is justice. And justice, I think, is something that we we really need to um, bring some strong theological robust frameworks back in to make a connection. Um, you know, we're not talking in the church. If you listen to, to most churches and, and what's been spoken about and what's been said and what the priorities are, justice is not. And yet probably all of us in this call would say that justice is absolutely integral to the mission of God in the world. Um, from you know, Genesis to Revelation, um, this is God's intention to set everything that's wrong to right. And we would say that that's how the kingdom is manifest in the world. And so I think that what we're seeing in COVID-19 is this um, almost all the, all the emotions that have been repressed down are starting to come out in anger and, um, and, and all this kind of lack of control that people feel is starting to come out. But I think one of the positive things is it's, there's an anger over injustice in the world right now. Um, and the inequalities that are in the world. And these things have been exposed by the pandemic, I think on a global scale, um, which we have never seen before. And, um, and I think that there will, be, there will be movements that will you know, um, arise up out of this moment, this gray zone and moving into this new era that will redress those inequalities in healthcare and poverty. And certainly here in the North, um, our government are saying to us, so like Evangelical Alliance, I was talking to Donna Jennings just on Monday, and she was saying that the government have come to her and said that the government, they don't have the economy in and of themselves to be able to redress the injustices that we're seeing in our city, things that have really risen to the surface in this pandemic, but we're on the up before then. Um, like food poverty, for example, and there are many, many, many other things, and they're looking to the church. And, and I think that th this is a moment 
that you know we can step into because I think that this is the mission of God that justice you know being felt in concrete ways in the world is what salvation looks like you know so um so I think that's a that's a really important important thing for us right now yeah um yeah it was interesting you mentioned that and that the next clip I'll play here now I think he mentions that um you know that we need the Christians need to be in the public sphere the Twitter sphere I think he said but also need to be on the street and I think that's a and, and we've seen some of that we've seen glimpses of that we've seen people being the church on the street, um, being the one and being led. He talked a little bit about practices and postures. I'm just going to play this and maybe it'd be helpful to talk a little bit. I think he ends this section talking a bit, little bit about what leadership needs to look like. And maybe we could talk a little bit about that and what we think leadership might look like. But I'll, I'll play this um, little clip and uh, then we can talk about it. In a, in a, when, when you have a, a disruptive moment, you can't always keep doing your practices, but actually what you can do is keep a posture that actually the posture isn't reliant on the environment staying the same. Practices rely on the environment staying the same. Postures actually are translocational, trans-environmental, trans-time. Uh, if you have the right posture directed towards God, then you can choose the right practice for that moment. And I actually wonder if actually what God has been doing in the difficult soil is that actually God has been shaping a posture in Ireland of believers there's a resiliency, there's a not taking yourself too seriously, but also, and this is where my last point, does this all point to a more disrupted future, a church on the edge, a new opportunity, being part of a laboratory, being on the coalface, we're not even realizing it. Does this also point to that the recovery is not just a healing, after the disruption of the pandemic, but actually the recovery is a retrieval of something further back in your DNA and the role that your nation has played throughout its history of something much, much deeper. And actually the recovery of that deeper tradition of how God has used Ireland at different times of global upheaval, that actually there's a recovery of something, a gift in the midst of that. There's actually a manner that could be missed in the moment, but that God actually wants to not just return to make everything go back to what it was, but he's used this gray zone moment, this transitional moment to actually point you back to something that can be rediscovered and reused, not just in Ireland, but further afield as we need leaders in this world who are able to operate in a moment of great disruption. That was only a two minute clip and he says so much in it that uh, it's, it's so dense, everything he says, but there was something about the, uh, yeah, the, the disrupted future. And I, I think when he talks about the church at the coal face and the experimental church and the laboratory, for me, I get really excited about those opportunities, but I know that, I don't know how you feel when you hear those words or how he describes the church. Yeah, I think he said something like, you know, if we're pining to go back to a two-hour event every week where people might attend twice a month, like, is that going to save save the world? You know, it's slightly tongue-in-cheek. But I think he was making the point that um, change has to happen. And maybe the shift the church needs to step into is thinking ourselves more like a laboratory on the edges of 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 society and culture to begin to to recover what it means to 
practice and to be missional on, on the edge and to have that posture of, um, I'm going to give this a try and see if it works and experiment and learn and have those feedback loops much tighter than we would have had before. And I, and secondly, I just think the prophetic statement that he made about retrieving something uh, for us as a nation, I think was really important because particularly down South, we have a tendency to kind of, if you put your head up to be a leader or put your hand forward, it's generally shot down (laughs) or, you know, we kind of have a probably sometimes an unhealthy view of leadership. And so I think his call and his invitation for us to retrieve things um, that I think is just a really important thing for us to reflect on. What does that mean? Um, yeah. I think the, one of the, the, the comment about the, the church being on the coalface and being on the edge it's a little bit like he, he talked about in the gray space that we need to recognize that we're in that space. And I think the church in the Republic, maybe some of the church in the Republic recognize that we're not where we used to be. This isn't Christendom. The church doesn't have a voice anymore. Um, he mentioned Fraser's book quite a lot um, in the webinar as well. And I think a lot in that really helps us to discover we're not the church that we were 40 years ago or a hundred years ago. Things have changed. And there is a little bit of a, actually we need to say, we're on the edge of society now. We don't have the same voice because we need to lead differently and be different. Lord, do you notice, what's that like in the North? I don't, you know, the North better. Is that where the church is at? Or? Yeah, I, I think so. It depends on what church you're talking about. You know, if yeah. it's um, more denominational and historic and traditional, then certainly there's sort of a politicalization of the church still in the North. Um, it has a great voice into um, the kind of power structures of Stormont, et cetera. Um, however, for others, you can feel a bit more, you know, on the on the edges. I think what's really important is this this concept of posture and how we posture ourselves. And of course, when we think about um, posture, even just physically, we know that good posture affects our health. It affects the whole body. And I think that the posture the posture question is really important. And it's 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 no longer this i think we've we've got to get out of even that thinking of it's not christendom anymore and you know oh so we're, we're in this new space i think it's a actually how should the church posture itself in the world so we're we're not necessarily kind of pushing against something that was or sort of sitting in defeat of that but we're actually asking a fresh question we're saying how should the church posture itself and just when i was listening to that clip i was thinking about first corinthians 1 and about Paul and, and how he talks about the gospel. And he says, you know, that actually it looks like weakness to the world, but it's the power of God unto salvation. And actually there's all this wisdom in the world, but actually the wisdom of God looks like foolishness in the world. And I think there's a, that when the church is on the fringes, that actually the church is say, this is where we're supposed to be. You know, that the, the, the church probably should look like weakness in the world and the church should look like foolish, foolish people in the world. And I think that there's, for me, there were sort of um, three things that we reflected on with a, a kind of group of female leaders a couple of months ago. And we talked about this posture of humility you know, and I think that we should posture ourselves in humility in this moment. And we see that in Jesus where there's crisis and chaos going on. Um, even when you think about the woman, you know, who, who was caught in adultery in, in John 8. And they're sort of demanding a response from Jesus, like get on board with the power, get on board with what we're saying should happen, how it should happen. And Jesus comes in with a question. 
you know, and it's, well, let's notice something different. Let's see things in a different way. And I do think there's kind of like a, a posture of humility that the church should have in this moment. Um, and I think that's extremely important. And I think as well, this almost like a posture of hope you know, when I talk about just talked about justice earlier, you know, like we have this incredible message of hope that we have a God who is working in the world to put everything that's wrong to right. And when we said that before, you know, maybe the, the message that most people heard, especially here in the north, was like this idea of personal salvation, that you are bad, that you need to get right with God for your sin. And of course, that's an important message. But I think we've lost that bigger message of the world. There's evil in the world. Actually, there are these anti god powers at work in the world called sin and death and they're destructive and they're evil and they're causing brokenness and pain and we have a god who's at work in the world who's putting everything wrong to right and i think that covid is giving us this opportunity to step into that space and bring hope you know, to say that, yes, the darkness feels darker. Yes, it feels painful. Yes, we feel out of control. But here is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I think that, you know, the church's posture should be one of hope right now and should be one of humility, you know, so so that I, I would think, you know, that that's where we where we should be thinking in terms of posture. That's really good. Yeah, I think just picking up on on your point, Laura, and also what Mark was talking about with leadership. Um, how do we lead our communities? How do we lead our families? How do we lead ourselves in this new gray zone? Um, maybe this is a question to you both, but he talked about in the past, the environment was very predictable where you, you put this into machine and you get this out of the machine. It's very controlled uh, where now it's all disruptive and, that predictability, that sense of control in our leadership is kind of gone. How do you think we lead in this, in this space and in this moment? I know, Simon, you probably have lots of wisdom. I just, I, no. <laughs> honestly, like, I do just keep coming back to that posture of weakness and foolishness, that posture of humility. Like I keep coming back to this place where I hold my hands up and I say, I don't know. Um, and I say, I, I, I would like to think, but I don't know, or we could plan, but God would, might disrupt that plan. Um, and I think it's this kind of openness and honest and authentic leadership where we have to relinquish control and we, um, and we have to stop posturing ourselves in a way where it almost looks like we have the answers because we don't and you know we need to surrender to God. We need to depend on God. We need to throw ourselves on God. I'm not saying that we relinquish our responsibilities, you know, as leaders or pastors, but I am saying that I think there's a posture within that, that God's inviting us into that's, that's healthy and good. And I think that it will, it will take us into a much more deeper spirituality within the church. And I think it's a movement away from borrowing that wisdom of the world into the church where it's about business how you run a business you know and i those skills are important listen i've been to all the courses and done all the things and they've helped me but there's more to church leadership church leadership is different church is the is the one thing that god is building in the world and we cannot rely on the wisdom of the world for us to partner with god in building it i think that we have to come before god again humbly and and, and ask him to show us Show us what you're doing. Show us how we do this um, and stop relying on the wisdom of the world. Mm. 
don't think of anything particularly to add. Laura is far more articulate than I am. Um, I think one thing that I was reminded of a few months ago was that God wasn't, um, God was prepared. God knew what was happening. God has been in control. God will be in control. And I think that reminder is really important that he's, he's aware. He knows what's going on. Uh, and that kind of reliance and as Laura talked about just that that seeking after God because he knows um, I think some of the practical things you know we think about leadership in the future I think the the whole idea of people le- leading by themselves I think single leadership I think we've seen that we need more gifts than just a pastor teacher we need people who can do things differently and act differently and see things differently so I think team leadership is really important and, and I love just that the idea that the church could experiment, that the church could try new things and do things differently, I think excites me and that we have the permission to do that because we need to we need to see church looking differently. Like not in the Republic, we have restrictions where you can only meet in certain numbers and um, you can only meet in certain ways. And we've had to adapt because they're enforced on us, but actually there's scope in that. And I think he said something which I haven't, pl- it didn't play in the clip there, but he talked about the smallness of church. I think there's something in Ireland about as small churches, we try to be big churches, churches of 20 and 30. We try to be churches of 100 and we we have the person at the front leading and we all sit in rows, whereas actually we need to think differently about this is the church, the church of 20 or 30 people before we start at 11 o'clock and after we finish at 12 is the church. How do we think about that group of people differently in this context rather than just assuming that we need to act like a, a church service and that's what it is? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think actually just to underline that point, Simon, there's I think he said something right at the end that maybe maybe the whole thing of retrieving something for us in the past is the opposite to that might be to compare ourselves. So we're all always comparing ourselves on social media or whatever, or maybe comparing ourselves to other countries and the bigger churches and certain models of churches and and we're looking to that all the time and there's nothing wrong with that, but maybe part of the retrieval thing is what is unique for us in our culture, in our time that may be um, small, um, networked, connected, relational movements is something, is something that um, God's calling us into. So I thought that was a really interesting point he made right at the end. And therefore leadership wise, we need to empower more more leaders to step up into more different roles. And I think that's one of the things the pandemic has shone its light on, that we can now have people leading in different areas that um, probably if they didn't fit into a kind of teacher role or a worship leader role, the scope for those spaces were very limited. But now we have people leading prayer prayer times on Zoom. We have people leading um, new missional activities that we never heard of. And so there probably needs to be a wave of release and empowerment of an equipping of, of a fresh fresh sense of leadership throughout all our churches. Agreed. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've seen a lot of written is exactly what you said, Ross, is different people um, stepping into different roles and doing things differently, you know. And, and when people come to you with ideas, you go, oh, that's not going to work. But one of the things that's worked really well for us is Alpha Online. And we've been able to run three Alpha courses across this year, which we wouldn't have been able to do if it was like setting up a room, getting it, you know, doing all the usual, but because it was online and we've reached more people in this year with the gospel than we have in any other year. And it was because a lady in our church stepped up and said, I really feel like I'm meant to do this. I don't have a clue how to, but I'm willing to try it, to do it differently. And we've had a completely different outcome that has been extremely positive. So I 100% agree with you on that point. And also Simon, I think team leadership is huge. 
And we're, we've seen a lot of burnout in the past in leadership. And I think it's because we do expect one person to be all things to all people. And this season has, I think, just brought to the fore and given us pause and time to reflect on that and say, actually, I think team leadership is going to be far more important in the in the future. And rather than, it, you know, us understanding leadership um, as like positional authority, what kind of Mark talked about at the end was this idea of spiritual authority being the cut through currency in this area, in this era, which I think that we've often kind of tagged authority up with position. And so we've kind of made a hierarchy out of leadership when actually, when you understand spiritual authority in, the, in a different way, you know, team comes far more to the fore and it becomes about what you're graced to do and how you function best to serve. And I think that that's something that's extremely important in this season. Yeah, it's really helpful. Thank you, Laura. Um, I don't know if either of you had anything else to say. I thought, uh, Ross, by take, uh, getting Laura on here, we'd be able to process stuff and make things easier. But Laura's added in so much more. You kind of um, have every sentence you say, you have uh, more in there that we need to think through. Um, it's been great to have you on, Laura. Thank you so much for sharing, I suppose, your reflections on the on the webinar and then sharing some of what, you're, you, what you've been doing. It's It's been really good. I, I don't know, either of you have anything else you want to, any particular part of it that you want to share or point out? I just want to say thank you to you guys because as a church leader you know I'm in Belfast and over this time of lockdown I've been able to access um, a lot of the praxis, praxis webinars um, and your online content and for me it's been a real blessing and I've learned a lot from from you guys and from the community in praxis and it's helped me to reflect and it's helped me to really I think have a, a people to journey with in the season so thanks thanks simon and ross and and to the rest of the team as well it's, it's been such a blessing and and being able to access this and, and and really feel like i've been invested in yeah thanks laura thanks for your wisdom and your insight today it's been been really wonderful um just to anyone who's listening just to encourage to to watch mark's webinar if you didn't come to it um there'll be a link maybe in the podcast notes or else yeah, there's a link on the youtube channel and the second thing, I just want to encourage you all just to kind of reflect on what, what God wants to do new in your life at this stage, not to miss the opportunities, not to kind of press fast forward or wish you were pressing fast forward, but, you know, really to reflect on what is God birthing in you today and in this moment and in your, in your church community. So, yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to Mission Disco, a podcast by Praxis Movement. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Praxis Movement. Subscribe, like or download this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or online at praxismovement.ie.